Take your Bibles and turn with me to Isaiah chapter 30. And in just a moment, we're going to look at one verse, verse 15. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. I saw this verse uh, when I got back from vacation. I needed to work out. And uh, I was coming out of where I work out, and there was a bowl full of scriptures there, and I picked one up. And it uh, had Isaiah 30, verse 15 on it. And as I looked at it, and I've read that verse many times, but as I looked at it, it just marinated in my soul. I don't know how else to say it. There was a rumination there, and I connected with that verse, and I thought, you know what? That thing needs to be preached. That verse needs to be shared. And so it blessed my heart, and I believe it's going to bless your heart. This one simple verse is about the most important thing in all the Bible. If you don't get this right, nothing else matters, and that is salvation. Do you know that your sins have been forgiven and that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior? And so this verse... Isaiah 30, verse 15, is talking about salvation the Bible way, salvation according to Scripture. It's just one verse. Could we read it together? Can we put that on the screen so we can read it together? Read it with me, please. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, in repentance and rest, you will be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you were not willing. Heavenly Father, open our heart to your word in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. In Isaiah 30, God is rebuking his people in Judah. The Assyrian army was all over the world wreaking havoc, and they were threatening to come to Judah. And Judah was in trouble. But rather than turning to the Lord when they were in trouble, you know who they turned to? Egypt. Now, why would they return to Egypt? They were always wanting to go back to Egypt, it seemed like. And they said, we want the Egyptians to help us. We don't believe God can get us anywhere in this situation. We don't believe God can do anything with the Assyrians. We're going to go to Egypt. Well, that, God didn't like that very much. And he starts to tell them that. And that's what the whole chapter is about. If you read the whole chapter, it's the Lord saying, why would you go to Egypt when you can come to me? Look, look at me. Why do we go to other places besides the Lord when we need help? Why do we? Why do we run to Egypt when we can run to Jesus? Why in the world do we go to these worldly things that can't help us? That's what God's saying here through Isaiah. Isaiah just confronted them and said, hey, you need salvation. You need to come to the Lord. Egypt can't save you, but the Lord can. So let's look. First of all, I call this the river of salvation. God refers to himself several times in the Bible as the river, living water, okay? 
Notice the verse there in Isaiah 30, verse 15. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said in repentance and rest, you will be saved. The Lord God here is the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the Holy One of Israel, and he is the source. He is the river of salvation. If you don't come to that river, if you don't drink from the Lord Jesus Christ, you will never be saved. He's the only sinless one capable of saving sinners. Do you remember the woman at the well in Samaria? In John chapter 4, she wanted just regular water. She just came for some regular water. And she'd had all kind of problems and She'd been divorced and remarried a lot of times, and it was over and over, and she came by herself. She came at a time when nobody else would be there so she could just get her water and go home. But Jesus was there, and Jesus had something to say to that woman. He said, hey, I didn't give you water like you've never tasted before. I can give you living water. He said in John 4.10, if you only knew, <laughs> isn't that what God says to us all the time? If you just only knew. If you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you'd ask me, Jesus said, and I'd give you living water. I'll give you a river of salvation. I'll give you water that flows out of you through you, in you, over you, all around you. Later on, Jesus would say in John 7, 38, anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. I want to ask you, have you ever come to the river of salvation? Do you have living water flowing in you, through you, out of you, all over you? Do you even know what I'm talking about? Do you know what it's like to have the river of God in you? And I'm telling you right now, you need it. Money can't buy the river of salvation. No thing, no possession can get you Quench the thirst that you have. People can't quench that thirst. Religion can't quench your spiritual thirst. I got another thing for you. Immoral sex can't quench your thirst. Our world has gone crazy when it comes to sexuality. Cohabitation can't satisfy that thirst. Financial success, no, only Jesus Christ can give you living water. He's the only way to God. He's the only one who can save you from your sins. Paul said in 1 Timothy 1, 15, it's a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul said in Romans 10, Verse 13, for whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Have you ever done that? You ever called on the name of the Lord? You ever said, Lord, I'm thirsty, I'm dry, I'm dirty, I need you. Oh, Jesus, give me rivers of living water. 
Oh, the Holy One, the Lord God, is still the river of salvation. But secondly, there are requirements for salvation. God doesn't just give this out to anybody. No, you've got to meet some requirements. Well, what are they, preacher? Notice what he says. In repentance and rest, you'll be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength. They're the two requirements you see throughout the Bible for salvation. First of all, salvation requires repentance. Notice what he says there in that verse. Just look at Isaiah 30, verse 15. In repentance and rest, you will be saved. And what he's saying there is, when you repent, I'll give you salvation. In repentance and rest, you'll be saved. Say, repent, I've told you, I don't know how many times, I'll tell you again. It means to turn around. Turn around. Not a 360, a 180. Turn around. Go the opposite direction. Do a U-turn. Turn around. Repent. Holy Spirit convicts you that you're a sinner, that you've broken the laws of God. He convicts you that you don't have the righteousness it require, that is required to receive salvation. Your righteousness is like filthy rags before God. The best split second you've ever lived is filthy before God. And there's a judgment coming that the Holy Spirit convicts you about. You're not going to die and go off and just float off into nirvana somewhere. You're going to stand before the judge. And your only hope is to have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's your only hope. That's my only hope, your only hope, all of us, same thing. You've got to repent. Jesus said if you don't repent, you go to hell. That's what he said. He said it twice in about three or four verses. I'll just give you one of the verses, though. Luke 13, 3, he said, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you'll all likewise perish. That means you'll live without God in this life, and when you die, if you die without Christ, you'll perish in hell. That's what he was talking. And by the way, Jesus talked more about hell than anybody else in the whole Bible. Because he doesn't want you to go there. You don't have to go to hell. That's the worst thing you can tell somebody is to say that to them. I'm not even going to say it. You don't want anybody to do that. Acts 3.19 says, therefore repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. When you repent, God saves you. In repentance and rest, you'll be saved. And you can do that today. You can do that right now. You, can, you don't have to wait to the end of the service. You can do it right now. Just say, God, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent I turn from my sin. I turn to you. And then the other requirement for salvation is faith. You got to repent and then you got to believe in quietness and trust in believing and having faith is your strength. Not trusting what you can do for God. No, it's what God has done for you through his son, Jesus Christ. Remember Nicodemus? He came and he said, oh, you're such a great teacher. 
And Jesus said, let's just cut to the chase. You need to be born again. How do you do that, Nicodemus? You gotta believe. He said, whoever believes will in him, in the Messiah, in Jesus have eternal life. For God, this, this is the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, let's say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, what? Believe. Believes, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's just stop it right there. That's all we need. Have you ever trusted on the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you ever believed that he is the savior, that he is the one that can save you? He's the only one that died for you on the cross. He's the only one that rose from the dead. Muhammad is dead. Jesus is alive. Buddha never existed. He's dead as a hammer if he did. Hammer's dead, by the way. But Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. He rose from the dead and he'll never die again. You got to believe in him. Paul and Silas got arrested for preaching the gospel. They threw them in jail and they just kept on singing. What are you going to do with guys like that? You just can't shut them up. And it's about midnight. It sounds like a country music song. It's about midnight. They're locked up in jail, you know. And they're singing praises. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, God, if you just get my hands out of these stocks, I'll raise them to you right now. Praise you, Jesus. And the jailer was listening and so was God. And all of a sudden an earthquake came and the chains fell off and the doors flew open and the jailer was about to kill himself because if any of those prisoners got released or broke out of jail and got away, he was going to be tortured with his family. He said, I'm just going to commit suicide now. And before he could commit suicide, Paul said, hey, we're all here. And the jailer says, hallelujah, amen. And he ran and fell at his feet and said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And there's no complex formula here. He just said in Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved and so will your household. If you'll just believe. And if they'll believe, repent and believe. Have you ever done that? Have you ever turned from your sin? Have you ever believed savingly in Jesus? Those are the requirements of salvation. You know, joining Bellevue doesn't save you. Becoming a Baptist doesn't save you. Being a preacher doesn't save you. Being a deacon doesn't save you. Being a teacher doesn't save you. Being a good person doesn't save you. Being a good mom or a good dad doesn't save you. Being a good child doesn't save you. By the way, we're not as good as we think we are. You got to repent. You got to ask God to forgive you and mean it. Then you got to believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and rose from the dead. Those are the requirements of salvation. If you don't do it, you don't go to heaven. Third thing is the rewards of salvation. Once you meet the requirements, there's some good rewards in repentance and rest. You'll be saved in quietness and trust is your strength. What are some of the rewards of salvation? Well, there are many, but I'll give you two that he mentions here. Salvation gives you rest. I'm talking about down deep in your soul, rest. That's what people are looking for. 
in repentance and rest. You'll be saved in quietness. When's the last time you just got quiet before the Lord? You said about 25 minutes ago. <laughs> Wasn't it good to just be quiet before the Lord? Amen. You ought to do that more often. When God saves you, he gives you supernatural rest. And quietness and trust is your strength. You get rest. He gives you calmness down deep in your soul. Isn't that what David wrote about in Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Why? He makes me lie down. How many of you sometimes God just makes you lie down? Amen. You're just flitting around all the time. You're like a hummingbird. You ever seen a hummingbird? I think humming, all hummingbirds are Baptist. Amen. Just flitting around all the time. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still, quiet waters. And what does he do there? He restores my soul. Some of you take better care of your cell phone than you do your soul. You give it a rest every night, plug it up. When's the last time you plugged up to God for eight hours? When's the last time? Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. Say it with me. Be still and know that I am God. Say it again. Be still and know that I am God. I'll be exalted among the nations. I'll be exalted in the earth. And what did Jesus say in Matthew 11? Come to me. <laughs> Come to me. All who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. I'm gentle. I'm humble in heart. You're going to find rest for your soul. There it is. For my yoke is easy. My burden's light. People are more stressed today than I've ever seen them in all of my life. They take medicine, many of them do, for their stress. But when the meds wear off, the stress comes back. What are we going to do with it? You better give it to Jesus. He'll give you rest in your soul, salvation. Gives you rest. It also gives you strength. In repentance and rest, you'll be saved in quietness and trust is your strength. There are many people in this room right now, many people watching online right now that are worn out. Mentally, you are worn out. I mean, emotionally, you're worn out. Physically, you're tired. You wake up tired. You stay tired all day. You're just tired. You're just, you say, I need a vacation. I got news for you. Vacation, just in and of itself, that doesn't do anything for you. You know why a lot of people don't get rested on their vacation? Because they take themselves with them on the vacation. The problem's in their brain and in their heart. They're stressed. As my daddy would say, they're wound up tighter than an eight-day clock. 
Dwell on that. Meditate on that. You'll get some country truth there. All right. Some of you guys are just worn out. You just let your thoughts go everywhere all you want to. Bible says, take your thoughts captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. Some of you don't know how to rest. You just let yourself worry all the time. You let anxious thoughts lodge in your mind and live there. You can't live like that and please the Lord. You can't do it. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? I'm not going to let fearful thoughts. You say, Brother Steve, do fearful thoughts ever come to you? All the time. Well, what do you do? Well, you can't do anything about them the first time they come, but look at me. Don't, don't ever forget what I'm about to say. I've learned. I can't help it. If, they, if the devil throws a fiery dart at me with a fearful thought, I can't do anything about that as far as stopping that first thought. But look at me. I don't give it a second thought. Hear what I just said? I've heard that all my life. Don't give it a second thought. Well, we give it a second thought all the time. That's why we get messed up. I say that. Here's what I do. I recognize it for what it is. If it's a spirit of, if it's a fearful thought or a condemning thought or a discouraging thought or an angry thought or a lustful thought or whatever sin it might, you name the sin. That first thought, I can't do anything about it, but I'm not going to give it a second thought. And I say, that's not of God. No, I'm not going there. I'm not going off into the rabbit hole of fear. I'm not going off into the rabbit hole of anger. I'm not going to go off in that rabbit hole of discouragement. No, that's not of God. God has not given me a spirit. Now, what am I doing? I'm recognizing it. I'm rejecting it in the name of Jesus, and I'm replacing it with Scripture. Everybody say, recognize. Everybody say, reject. Everybody say, replace. I just gave you a formula that can help you for the rest of your life. I'm not going to live in that. I'm not going to live in anger. I'm not going to live in discouragement. I'm not going to live in all those things. I'm not going to live in that. I'm not going to give it a second thought. I'm not going to do it. Oh, Isaiah said in Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, he gives strength to the weary and to him who lacks mighty increases power though youths grow weary and tired. Vigorous young men stumble badly. Yet those who wait for the Lord, those who spend time with God, those who let his word just marinate in their soul, those who spend time in quietness with God and crying out to God when they need to, those that wait upon the Lord, they're going to gain what? New strength, strength they've never had. They're going to mount up with wings like eagles. You ever seen an eagle? They just fly real good. They just keep going up. The more the wind blows, the higher they go. And they will run and not get tired and they will walk and not become weary. I'm telling you, God will give you his strength. I can do all things through him who, what? Strengthens me. You need rest and strength as salvation. 
That's the rewards of Christ's salvation. Well, the river of salvation, Jesus is the river of salvation. Boy, when you get Jesus, you get the living water. Amen? Amen. I had a friend that taught prayer for, I don't know how long, Don taught prayer, but he told me, he said, I like water. God made water. You know what? God made living water too. He'll give it to you. River of salvation is Jesus, the Holy Spirit, living water. The requirements of salvation, repentance and faith, you got to turn, you got to believe. Rewards of salvation, you're going to get rest, quietness in your soul finally, and strength in your inner man. And here's the saddest part of the whole verse. You ready for this? You can reject salvation. Oh my. Thus says the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel has said, in repentance and rest will be your, you'll be saved, in quietness and trust is your strength. Now listen to these words. But you were not what? Willing. People say, no, we don't have a will. What are you talking about? There it is. He said, you're not willing. Most of the people that Isaiah was talking to were not willing to come to the Lord. They wanted to see their Savior, and they wanted Egypt to be their Savior. And God said, you want Egypt? You have Egypt. But if you want somebody that can defeat the Assyrians, it's me. They weren't willing. And they missed it. Isaiah wasn't the only one that talked about people like that. Jeremiah did too. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 6, were they ashamed because of the abomination they've done? Talking about the people of God, the people of Judah. They were not even ashamed at all. Watch this. They didn't even know how to blush. Isn't that where we are in America? We don't even know how to blush. Some sexual sin is before us on some commercial or whatever, somebody doing something they shouldn't be doing or a, a, a movie or something, and, and we don't even blush. Doesn't phase us. <clears throat> we hear a song, doesn't honor God, we don't even blush. They didn't even know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be cast down, says the Lord. Thus says the Lord. And look at God calling to stand by the way. See and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it. You'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in. Isn't that America? Isn't that our nation? There was a rich young ruler that said he wanted salvation. Jesus wanted to save him. Mark 10, looking at that rich young ruler, Jesus felt a love for him, said to him, one thing you lack. You know, there's only one thing you lack. Go and sell all you possess, give to the poor and 
You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. Now, did, did Jesus say everybody's got to give all their money away? No, he's, what, he's looking at this man. He said, your problem is you love money. That's your God. So give it away. Whatever it is in your life, he's telling you, you give up that thing. I've got to be first in your life. Not your money. Not that person. Not your job. Not this, that, and other. Go and sell all that you possess. Give it to the poor. You'll have treasure in heaven. Come follow me. But at these words, he was saddened. He went away grieving. For he was one who owned much property. I got news for you. He didn't own the property. The property owned him. That was the problem. Jesus looking around said to his disciples, how hard it is for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words. Jesus answered again. He said, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle and I've heard all kind of ex explanations of that. Well, that doesn't mean a literal camel. It doesn't mean the literal eye of a needle. Yes, it does. You ever seen the eye of a needle? How many of you have ever ridden on a camel? Anybody ever ridden on a camel? I got my hand. That's the nastiest looking thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I have no idea how that thing was created like that. Nasty. And they're big. They're not just nasty, they're big. Now you take a little needle, you can hold it just right there in your hand, like that. And you look at that little bitty thing right there, that's called the eye of the needle. Now you go grab a camel and shove it through it. Good luck. That's what he meant. It's not going to happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were just astonished. They said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with men, with people. It's impossible, but not with God. See, rich people can be saved. It's harder because they got so much stuff. And they're constantly thinking about their stuff instead of the Savior. But not with God. All things are possible with God. Jesus felt a love for him. He wanted to save him, but the guy said no, and he didn't get saved. He turned away from the salvation. You can too. But when you do, it's on you, not God. Jesus said in John three thirty six, he who believes in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. You can reject salvation. For thus the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel, has said, in repentance and rest, you're going to be saved. In quietness and trust is your strength, but you are not willing. The river of salvation is Jesus. If you want to get saved, the requirements are repentance and faith. If you repent and you believe, you'll get the rewards of salvation, rest and strength. And yes, you can reject salvation, but I'm asking you, not to do it. While we pray and while we plead, while you see your soul's deep need, while our Father calls you home, will you not, my brother, my sister, come? 